Welcome. You're listening to the Heritage Podcast. To learn more about Heritage, including meeting times and upcoming events, visit us online at www.heritageff.org. Now, let's get into today's podcast. You know, I... um. I've recently moved, uh, Alina, Taj, and I, we, we've moved from our old place where we were, and we had this new home, and God has just blessed us here where we're at. And if you've ever moved and you understand the struggle of packing and the cleaning up and then unpacking, it's a whole, it's a struggle for real. But I remember when I was helping Taj clean out his room and to get ready for the, the move, and, and I started pulling out his dressers and taking apart his bed, and I started vacuuming, and I was moving things around. And let me tell you, I was finding Lego bits everywhere, behind the dresser, uh, in the closet, even under his bed, which is really weird because his bed actually goes all the way down to the floor. There's no like way you can get underneath his bed. But there was Legos underneath his bed. They were everywhere. And I was, I was finding them. I was remembering as when he was a child, my parents would always buy him Lego sets. And he wasn't really able to do them. So who would have to do them? I would have to do them. And so I'm sitting there with this book and all these Legos spread out. And there's no real instructions, like, like written out instructions on what you're supposed to do. It's just pictures. of uh, Pictures of how you're supposed to put things together so you have an end result. And, and I've, now that we've moved into the house, we had to put Taj's bed together that we got him. And I've realized that Ikea is nothing more than Legos for adults. They give you a big old box with tons of parts and a pamphlet, no words, just pictures. And, and it's, it's just like Legos. I had flashbacks and, and almost nightmares of, of building Legos. Now I'm building furniture from Ikea. And I was thinking about this message today, and I was uh, just thinking about that time of putting Taj's bed together. And I, what if I bought a dresser from Ikea? And I said, you know what? I, I bought this dresser, and I have all these parts, and I have this pamphlet. But you know what? I don't really like this dresser anymore. I want a dresser that I saw online somewhere else. So I'm going to get rid of this, this pamphlet and these pictures that aren't even real instructions. And I'm just going to create my own uh, dresser. I'm just going to throw away this pamphlet. I'm going to create my own dresser with all these parts. And after everything was said and done and this huge mess of a dresser has been put together that I just created out of nowhere... Alina would come into the room and she would say, what is this mess that you've just created? This is not what we bought. I said, well, I I thought that it would look nice. I I saw this one online that I really like, and I thought I I could make that out of all these pieces. I thought, I I assumed that it would look nice. I remember as a child, my dad would always tell me, assumption is the lowest form of knowledge. It makes a fool out of you and of me. And that always stuck with me. And how many times in our lives have we assumed something? Assumed something from somebody. Maybe we we assumed that they would act a certain way, or we assumed that they would do a certain thing. Maybe we were hurt by what they did or what they didn't do, because we assumed something from them. We put false expectations on that person, and they let us down. And it's not so much that they let us down, but we let ourselves down because we assumed that they would do something for us. I thought I could make a nice dresser, but it didn't work out that way. I I, want to take us into some scriptures here and, and talk about a man that kind of fits into this story that I just told you. 
We find this man in the, the book of 2 Kings chapter 5. And we find this man, his name is Naaman. If you've ever heard about Naaman, then, then you know a little bit about his story. But if not, we jump into this, this passage of Scripture. And we're going to camp here in chapter 5. And I'm going to jump around a little bit. I've tried to put all the Scriptures up there. Nalina's <laughs> manning the, the station in the back. And she's going to do her best to get all those Scriptures up. But if, if it doesn't work out that great, just... Just uh, get your own Bible and get it out and let's read together, all right? <laughs> Second Kings chapter 5, starting at verse 1, says this. Naaman, now Naaman, commander of the armies of the king of Syria, was a great and honorable man in the eyes of his master, because by him the Lord had given victories to Syria. He was also a mighty man of valor, but... He was also a leper. I, I love this description that we have of Naaman because it talks about this man, this, this great man, this commander of the armies of Syria. It says that he was a, a great man. He has prestige. He, he was a man of valor. This was a man of war. This was someone that people looked up to, that they wanted to know, that they wanted to be around. Because of him, Syria was at the place where they were because he was leading that army. He, he brought them many victories, and the king of Syria had favor on him. And it says that he was this great man. He had all, all these things going for him. And then at the very end of verse 1, it says but he was also a leper. He, he had this, this one little broken piece in his life. This thing that he could not get rid of, no matter what he did. If you know anything about leprosy in that time, it was a disease that the only end was death. There was no cure. There was no, no, no pills you can take, no cream you can buy to rub it back on, to rub onto your skin to get rid of the leprosy. It was a death sentence. And here was this man who had everything going for him. He was at the top of the game, the commander of the armies of Syria. People looked up and they wanted to have be around and they wanted him to come over to the house and hang out. And, oh, I just want to know Naaman. But this man on the inside was broken. He had everything going for him, but his body was deteriorating from this disease that was just ravaging his life. And I kind of look at this scripture and, and it doesn't say that everybody knows about it. It says that only his wife and her slave or her servant knew about his issue, or knew about his disease. I like to think that Naaman probably wore his armor and wore, wore everything to cover up the pieces that were falling apart. He didn't want anybody to see what was really going on on the inside, and I think we all can relate to him in some way. That, man, you know, I want people on the outside to look, look at me and think that everything is going great. I want you to see the highlight reel on Instagram. I want you to, to just see that on my Facebook. I don't want you to see the brokenness on the inside. I, I want to paint a, a nice smile on my face, but you don't know that I'm hurting on the inside. Has anybody felt like that? Naaman had everything going for him, but he was literally falling apart. But one thing he did have going for him that was amazing is on one of his conquests, he took a young girl from where he had just defeated this army and he brought this young girl into her, their home and he gave this young girl to his wife and he said, this is going to be your helper around the house. She's going to help you 
She's going to be your servant. She's going to be that the housemaid. She's going to do everything. She's going to help you out. But this young girl was a child of Israel who had a covenant with God and had a knowledge of God's goodness. And she said to her, she said to her master, she said, if only you could get to the prophet, the prophet that is in Samaria, if you can get to the prophet, he could heal you of your leprosy. We can learn something from this girl. That even in this situation of slavery at that time, she showed compassion toward her, towards her taskmaster. How many times have you been in a situation where you didn't like the person who was up in your face? Or maybe you didn't like your boss and, and you've had opportunities to just turn your back on them and just be really nasty to them. That's the opportunity where God can move in your life to show compassion towards that person and have a change in their heart by your just embrace of love in their life. And this young girl said uh, she could have been like, you know what, let him fall apart because he doesn't take me from my family. He, I'm, I'm a slave now here. I, I, I don't want to be here. He can die for all I care. But the love of God on the inside of her compelled her to say, you know what? I, I, I know a man who can help you. I know a man who has a relationship with God to the place where he can heal your life. So, so Naaman, he does whatever, whatever he could do. He, he goes to the king and he says, hey, I have an opportunity to get healed. I, I have this, this ailment in my body. And, and, I, and I, if I could just get to this prophet named Elijah, my, my servant, she says that he could heal my life. He could take this infirmity from me. So the king admires Naaman and he says, you go ahead and go. You go and I'm going to send you a letter. I'm going to write out a letter and I'm going to send it to the king of Israel so that when he gets there, he will know what is going on. He'll, he'll command this man Israel to heal your body. Or Elijah, sorry. He'll, he'll command this man Elijah to heal your body. And we come down here, go to verse 5 and 6. We'll keep reading here. 2 Kings chapter 5, 5 and 6. Then the king of Syria said, go now, and I will send a letter to you to Israel. And he departed and took with him 10 talons of silver, 6,000 shekels of gold, and 10 changes of clothes. Then he brought the letter to the king of Israel, which said, I'm going to just, the part isn't up there, but it says this. Now be advised, when this letter comes to you, that I have sent to you Naaman, my servant to you, that you may heal his leprosy. This is interesting because Naaman, he, he's not holding anything back. He's like, I got my letter. I'm going to head out to Elijah. I got to stop by the bank. I, I got to stop by the bank because I am willing to pay whatever it costs to get this leprosy off my life. If he can heal my body, then I, I'm willing to pay whatever I need to pay. He stops at Bank of America and it says that he pulls out 10 uh, talons of silver and 6,000 shekels of gold, 10, 10 talons of silver. You know what? Those things were huge. They weren't like these little coins. These were like boulders that weighed almost 70 pounds. He took 10 of those, solid silver, and he took 6,000 shekels of gold. So I, I, I looked up and did some research, and the, the amount that he took, this is what it was in silver. The value of the silver at 
one talent is 70 pounds. The value that he took was over $165,000 worth of silver. The gold that he took, the 6,000 gold shekels that he took, valued at over $2.9 million. Naaman was traveling with over $3 million to give to this prophet for his healing. He wasn't holding anything back. He said, if there's a chance that I, because I've tried everything I can. This is the one thing that's holding me back from living my best life because I'm already the captain. I'm already the commander of the army. I'm already, I got the money in the bank, but I'm literally falling apart. Did you know that Syria to Samaria, it wasn't just down the street. It, it wasn't just a, a nice breeze of a walk. Syria to Samaria, to, to Samaria how he had to travel, it was 700 miles. This wasn't just like an hour trip, a two-hour trip. This was a month-long journey that he had to take. Now, knowing who Naaman is, he's the captain of the greatest army at that time, Syria, there's all these battles. He did not travel alone. He traveled with his armed guards. He traveled with some of his soldiers. He traveled with, with, with uh, chariots and all this, uh, carrying all the, the, the gifts that he was bringing, the food that he had to eat, his tent, all this stuff. He was traveling like a small army over to see Elijah. And it says this, that I like this. And right here, five and six, and it says right here, now, Elijah at this time, he hears that this man Naaman comes to the town. And because of that letter, the king of Israel was so fearful. He was saying, how am I going to heal this guy? This king sends his, his best man over here and says, I want you to heal him of leprosy. And the king says, what, am I God that I can raise the dead, that I can cleanse leprosy? I, this guy's trying to start a war with me. And Elijah, he says, King, don't, don't be worried about it. Just send him over to my house. Send him over to me. And we see this in verse 10. 2 Kings chapter 5, verse 10 says this. Uh, we'll start actually at verse uh, 9. It says this. It's not on there. And Naaman went with his horse and chariot and stood at the door of Elijah's house. Now, before I go to the next part, this is so cool because... Here is Naaman. He's just traveled almost like a month journey to go see this prophet, this man of God that can cleanse him of leprosy. Do you think he, he went in the same clothes that he traveled in? No, he would have put his best armor on. He would have had his men shine it up so that he looked his, his tie. He was suited and booted, ready to go. I, I'm going to see the prophet. I got my th that $3 million ready to, to just impress the socks off of this guy. Here I am, I'm at his house, and I can't see Elijah having this big old house. He probably lived like in a small little home, real modest, like right along the creek, just something really chill. And here is this, this commander and chief, this, this great man of valor, Naaman, standing on his, his chariot and all his army, and he's got his, his armor on, it's all shined up. He probably had the one with the, the cape on the back of it. He's got his helmet on, all this I'm looking great. And he knocks on the door. He has his, 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 one of his men. Hey, go knock on the door and tell Elijah that Naaman is here. 
And the, the servant goes and he knocks on the door and he, he presents Naaman to him. He says, here is Naaman, the, the commander of the armies of the Syria, the great and, and, and powerful Naaman is here to see Elijah. And in verse 10, we see this. And Elijah sent a messenger to him saying, go and wash in the Jordan seven times and your flesh shall be restored to you and you shall be clean. Now, this part right here just gets me. But Naaman became furious and he went away and said, indeed, I thought this man would come out to me. Elijah didn't even go see him. He didn't even come to the door. Elijah sent a messenger to the door. He said, hey, go tell Naaman. He's on his way. He just got here. Go tell him just to go dip in the, the Jordan River seven times and he'll be cleansed. And it says that Naaman was furious. He was so upset that Elijah would not even come out to see him. Does he know who I am? Who is this, this Elijah that I, that I can't even see him? Does he not know what I've brought to him? Does he not know how far I've traveled? Does he not know the army that I command? The clout that I have? The name that I've built for myself? And he says these words, these two words. I thought. He assumed something would happen and it didn't happen. He put false expectations on Elijah that didn't come true, and he was upset. How many times have those two words ever stopped you from something? How many times has the word I thought stopped you from your peace? How many times has I thought ever stopped you from your joy when, when you thought it was going to go your way and it didn't? When you thought you were going to get that promotion or you thought that relationship was going to pan out and it didn't? Or you thought God was going to do something a different way and it didn't go that way. And it says that Naaman was so furious that he walked away, upset, angry. See, I, I admire Naaman because he did all that he could to get to Elijah. He said, I don't know this man, but I'm going to leave where I am and I'm going to go and find Elijah. I... I, I I can understand that, that, that drive, and I admire that. I want to go wherever I need to go. But I can relate to him because he's walked away. He ever felt like, that's it, I tried my best. It didn't work out. And I don't feel like it's going to work out, so I, I give up. It's just not for me. I can relate to that anger that, that God, it didn't go the way I wanted it to go. It didn't go the way I thought it was supposed to go. I, I assumed that it would come out better than, than this. And, and I look at the situation around me and I say, God, what, are you, what is going on here? I can relate to that anger, that, that frustration almost of, God, what's going on? What have I done wrong? And I'm sure there's plenty of you out there that can relate to how, what, I'm, what I'm talking about. That you've been in Naaman's shoes where you thought something was going to happen for you in a certain way and it just didn't pan out. And you've, you've almost walked away from God. But I, I love that when you read further down, it says that Naaman's servant said, Hey, uh, 
Master, he says, my father, if the prophet Elijah would have asked you to do something great, because you're a great man, would you not have done it? Yeah, of course, because I'm a great man, I would have done it. And the, the servant says, then if he's asked you to do something simple, then why can't you just do that? Have you ever felt like God asked you to do something and it was beneath you? That God asked you to go and just just say, hey, you know what, I love you. I appreciate what you've done for me. And you felt like that's not something that God's telling me. That's just ridiculous. Or God says, hey, I want you to give that person $5. And you're like, $5? That's not nothing. Why would God ask me to do that? I'm not gonna, that's, that's ridiculous. Have you ever felt like it just wasn't the way, spectacular? I want God to move in my life and I want it to be spectacular. And God's saying, I want you to do something that seems mundane to you, that seems so basic and boring. But in that process, there's going to be something that's going to change your life. And sometimes we neglect or we despise the process that God is trying to get us to do, to get us to do. There's a process to things. God says, I need you to dip in the pool seven times. And and Naaman, he gets upset. He, he, He says right here. Let's go back and read verse 11. But Naaman became furious and went away saying, I thought at least he would have come out to me and stand and call on the name of the Lord his God and he would have waved his hand over the place and healed my leprosy. But are not the, the, uh, the rivers in Damascus better than all the waters of Israel? Can I not wash in those and be cleansed? And he turned away and went in rage. So here he has his preferences. He has his prejudices. He's saying, These, this river Jordan is dirty. I have better rivers. Where I'm from in Damascus, why would I dip in these rivers that are so beneath me? I could have just stayed at home and dipped in those waters. Why am I dipping here? Because it seems so not spectacular. I bet if he would have said, I want you to climb this mountain and and at the top of this mountain, a light will beam on you and you'll be completely cleansed. He would have climbed any mountain he had to because it would have been spectacular. But God said, I need you to dip in this pool seven times. See, here's the thing that he didn't understand is that God knew his heart. God understood that Naaman was a prideful man. And in that process, he needed to correct that. See, God was after more than just healing his body. He was after changing his heart. God wanted to change Naaman's heart, and he was going to do it through this process of dipping in the pool seven times. Why dip in the pool seven times? Because in that process of healing there was something that was going to change on the inside of Naaman. See, because to dip in the pool means that he had to take off what he felt was that made him something that made him great, and that was his armor. See, to get into the water, he would have had to take off the thing that he thought gave him clout and purpose and value in his life. He would have had to take off his helmet, take off the armor that had given him so much over his life, that had made him a wealthy man, that made him this man of valor, the armor that, that his... his his, uh, his self-image of who he was, this great man, he would have had to strip that away and let people see who he really was, and that was a leper. Broken in need of a Savior. 
he would have had to become vulnerable in front of his men who probably never knew that he had leprosy, who had never seen the brokenness of his life. The servant says, look, if he would have told you to do something great, wouldn't you have done it? He's just asking you to dip in the water seven times. So Naaman, he agrees and he strips away the things that he felt are the things that gave him value. I'm telling you today, God is calling you to strip away the things that you, you feel is the, the, the thing that gives you value, whatever it is. There's healing today. There's, there's deliverance today, but you have to humble yourself and say, you know what, I'm going to die to myself and I'm going to live for God. I'm going to say no to this pride. I'm going to say no to this thing. And I'm going to turn to you and understand that I am, am just in need of your mercy and your grace, God. See, Naaman brought this money and he said, look at all that I'm bringing you, Elijah. Uh, look what I bring to the table. And I think a lot of us do that with God. Like, God, look what I bring to the table. I'm such a good person. You know, I do my best and all this stuff. And God is saying, none of that matters. You're still broken on the inside. You're still full of sin. You're still a, a, a sinner that needs salvation. None of that matters. You need my grace. You need my mercy. You need the blood over your life. So Damon, he, he agrees to it. He takes off of his armor, and he steps into that dirty, muddy water, that, that river of Jordan. Humbly, he steps in, and he, he dunks himself one time. And you know, when he came up, nothing happened. And he dunked himself a second time, and when he came up, he probably checked himself out, like, what is going on? Anything changing? Nothing happened. He just came up dirty from the water. But on that third time, you know what happened? Nothing. If you're name and you're probably getting upset. This guy, Elijah, is playing a trick on me. He thinks I'm a fool. Does he not understand that I'm a captain of a great army? I could have him killed if I wanted to. Does he not know who I am? Nothing's happening. He's making me a fool. And he dips down again a fourth time. Nothing happens a fifth time. But in that process, he's, he's understanding that, okay, then it's not the water that's healing me. It's not the muddy water that, that is going to cleanse my life. See, he needs to understand that it's not the water, but it's the process. That the water, the miracle is not in the water. The miracle is in the obedience. And a lot of us, we've, We've lost focus on that, that our miracle isn't how good we can be or how many times we go to church or the small little accolades that we do. Our miracle is in our obedience to God. Elijah dips down five times, six times. Nothing happens. It's not until the process is complete. That he comes up and it says that he's completely whole. But even more than that, it said his skin is like that of a boy. That God has done a complete restoration on his life. But more than that, he's changed his heart. God's trying to change your heart today. And there's a process in that change. And I'm just here to remind you not to despise the process because it doesn't look spectacular. 
is sometimes God to, has called us to do things that are more about the inward change than the outward change. God's asking us today to strip away the things that we feel are what makes us great. Take off that shiny armor and let God expose the weakness that is inside and let Him heal those broken pieces. Go ahead. If you were encouraged by today's message and believe it would be uplifting to others, then be sure to rate us and hit subscribe. To experience more of Heritage, visit us at www.heritageff.org. Again, thank you for listening to the Heritage Podcast today. And remember, Jesus is Lord.